Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow and world champion World Cup television viewer, if I can call myself that, I guess. Hey, let me ask you this. Merry Christmas to you. What brings you joy at Christmas? Do you really have Do you have moments of joy in your life at Christmas or other times? You want to hear a moment of joy? I want you to listen to this if you haven't heard it. This is the Spanish language call of the World Cup final. This is the, am I hearing uh, news somewhere in my uh, headset here? All right, there must have been some uh, some news alerts. I don't know if you all heard that, but in my my headset, I was hearing a Fox News alert. So uh, anyway, uh, where were we? Oh, we're talking about the Spanish language call of the World Cup final. All right, as Argentina defeated France. This is Telemundo's famous Argentinian soccer announcer, Andres Cantor. I don't know if he had the opportunity to watch that, but you hear it in his voice. He's crying. He's so emotional. And the video of it, there's a video, you can watch it. And he's embracing his co-host as he keeps trying to keep his composure. And it's wonderful. What brings you to joy like that? You know, have you forgotten the things that can bring us real joy, the things in life? Something I think is important for all of us is this. Whatever's going on in your life, the circumstances in your life, whatever it is, don't let the things that you can't control or the things that you can't understand or the things you can't do anything about, don't let those things rob you of the joy that you can have today. I mean, you might even be thinking, oh, just a soccer game, you know, who cares? Well, I'll talk about that here in a little bit, but it's a it's a great story if you watch that. You can give me a call and join the conversation. The number is 888-528-2557. Did you watch that game on Sunday? I know that you know Americans are are not always the the biggest soccer fans, but a lot of people are watching the World Cup and I know that a lot of you are great soccer fans, particularly if you uh, grew up in another country or have relatives from elsewhere. You you understand that joy that he and the other players were we're feeling. Give me a call. Tell me how you thought about it. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Now, now at home, this game was on Sunday morning. And as you can tell, maybe from my voice that uh, I've got some stuff. I don't know what this is. And my whole family was sick this weekend. Like, like we were just down and out, all four of us. And so Sunday morning, we're like, well, I guess we're not going to church. 
and we just sat. And for whatever reason, we turned on the the World Cup and the soccer game. And as a family, we watched zero of it before now. My boys, uh, they've played a little bit of soccer, but they haven't really gotten into it. And uh, I know it seems like we've been we've been sick forever. I've been and we've tested right. We're not positive for anything. So I think it's a new virus called Furrow 22. It'll be the um, the next uh, pandemic. It's Furrow 22. It's coming out next week, next month. Anyway, so we we stayed home, and you know, in our family, there's just not a lot of Sundays ever that we've been home from church. But we were all miserable in the front room. We turned on the TV. We watched the World Cup final. And for whatever reason, my whole family was into it. And I'm thinking, you know, we probably should watch a church service on the screen and all of that. But we kept watching it. And one of the things that I think was just really interesting is we had a great conversation as a family, especially as the game ended. And there was so much passion. There was so much joy from the players, from the announcer, from people who were watching in the stands, you know, and it's, it's not something I think that, that all of us feel for sports in the same level. Like we, we cheer when our team wins. You probably have a team, you know, I know some people who are such huge fans of their team that you can't even talk to them when their team loses. And that's fine. But there's something that's so much deeper here. When you watch this, at least that's what we talked about. It was great having this conversation with Christy and James and John, the boys, you know, and we talked about how, you know, in, in you know, f- football, as it's more likely called around the world, uh, people are so passionate about it in a way that maybe because we have so many options and so many different sports in America, I don't really know why it hasn't been as big a deal for us as it is elsewhere. Um, one of the mission trips that I did in Central America, we brought several gifts for the kids uh, in the community that we were uh, visiting and spending time with. And there were various things, right? There were matchbox cars and baseball hats and some clothes and some dolls and some different building toys and some games. Everybody was appreciative. It was fun. But I will never forget, we have all these kids together. We're gathered at this church in um, a very impoverished neighborhood, and we're handing out all kinds of stuff. But when the soccer balls came out and we started handing out soccer balls, there was a tremendous shift. There was unbelievable joy and thanksgiving. See, the kids have been playing soccer in the village with a worn-out volleyball, and now they had some brand-new soccer balls. I mean, they grabbed those soccer balls, said thank you, and went right outside and started picking teams. And they played the entire time. The joy, the gratitude, the tears, the immediate, you know, just, uh, it was amazing. It was a powerful thing kind of to experience how important that was. And sports, you know, certain things like that can can do something for us. And, you know, I think today, that was 12 years ago. Some of those kids uh, are getting to an age where they might play in the World Cup pretty soon. And I like to imagine that uh, maybe uh, that soccer ball was part of it, their ability to develop skills and do it. And you might be thinking, but what for? Is it just a game? Is it uh, just that? And you know what? It's not. There is so much community that is built around sports and around the world. Most places it's, it's soccer or football in other countries, but you know, here we've got a lot of community around football. Some of you are going to go watch the Rams game tonight and uh, you're going to have people over. You're going to go someplace and watch it. There's, there's community built into that. And I got to tell you, watching this game with my family and a sport that we never watch really, you know, it was so enjoyable. We could see it. 
And you know what was really enjoyable? And this is something that I think we, we struggle with. We start to lose this. The competitiveness was enjoyable. I think that there is something about the human spirit when we see people who are fully competitive in a way that is fair, you know, in a way that is, you know, there's rules laid out and there's referees and everything's right, right, in the soccer game. I think we, I think that's a great part of humanity. I think God made us this way. We're we're in an era where we kind of don't like winners and losers in sport. We struggle with that, right? Everybody gets a trophy. Um, even awards shows. Remember a few years ago, the Oscars, they made a big deal of not saying, and the winner is. Instead, they started saying, and the Oscar goes to, and it was awful. You know, that show has never been the same. They started saying, and the winner is again, because it was so terrible. But the damage had been done. And you know why that is? It's because competition is normal. It is. It's it's normal. It's a normal thing for human beings. And it can be unhealthy, but it can also be unifying. Unifying when you're on a team. See, unifying to root for a team and win, but also unifying to play hard and even lose. And uh, lose gracefully. The French team, you know, uh, who lost, who played great. Uh, They played, it was just incredible. And uh, they had to come out at the end, you know, and get the uh, the second place prize. You know, it's never fun getting the silver medal. I think it was Jerry Seinfeld, somebody who used to talk about how terrible it is to get the silver medal. Because the silver medal, you know, if you get a bronze medal, you know, then you can say, well, at least I medaled. But when you get the silver medal, it means you lost. And you didn't really lose, you came in second. It's great, but it's sort of that letdown that you almost got there, but you didn't quite. And the way they they did this closing ceremony is all that the French team had to come out and get their get their medals, and they're not feeling too good about it because they're competitive too, and you know I think they understand the game and they understand the 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 fairness of it and all of that, but it doesn't feel good to lose, but I think later on it feels good to know that you played your heart out, and something they did afterward, and it's kind of hard to get out there and you you lost and you get the silver medal. But then they came out and they thanked their disappointed but loyal fans. And there's something great about sportsmanship that way. There is something fantastic about thanking those people who came out to see you, even in the midst of disappointment. The French president was there, and uh, he's probably inserting himself in different places, I thought, maybe because of the, the politics of it. But it's actually pretty cool that he was there for that. And... uh. When you when we were watching this, we had so much conversation as a family about joy. And when the Argentine team won, the emotion that came out on those players, some of them just fell to the ground in tears. Some of them just just lay down, probably in exhaustion, but also just this tremendous joy. And I'm looking at this, and we're talking about this with our kids. And trying to balance the conversation we have was trying to balance, okay, this is just a soccer game. Why is it so much joy? When do you have that much expressiveness when something great happens? Well, part of it is that when something that you've really worked hard for and it comes across, it's it's something to be, to celebrate. And I thought to myself, and I said this, you know, at home that, you know, whenever the a person comes to faith. The Bible tells us that there's a celebration in heaven. And I imagine it's like that. And you know the time when I've seen Christians have that kind of joy, that kind of true joy? It's when there's a prodigal son moment. 
in their life. It's when somebody who you've been praying for for years suddenly gets saved. And it's not really sudden. It's probably been happening over time. But they confess Jesus as Lord, and they give their life to Christ. And there's such tremendous joy. I have had people embrace me and in tears because family members have come to Christ. And it's so great. And I imagine that. That is the joy that we have in heaven. Do you have that kind of joy? Have you, have you lost focus on that? Can I encourage you to think about that? One of the greatest songs, we'll talk about this maybe in a little bit, is Joy to the World and why we need to have joy that Jesus came. That as we think about this this week as, as Christmas is here, that this world is not a place where there's a lot of joy. I think a lot of it for the World Cup is that it's something fun. It's something where you can push the, mostly, the politics aside, where actually the world comes together for a tournament, and it's fiercely competitive. And it was a really great thing. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you had a moment of joy, whether it be something in your faith or just something in your life where you just had so much joy and you were able to praise God for uh, that joy, give me a call, 888-528-2557. I want to play it again. This is a longer version of the Argentinian announcer. He's a famous announcer. He's the He's bigger than Vin Scully around the world. He really is. He's been around for many years. He has a famous call whenever there's a goal. He goes, goal! And it's fun to watch, and it's fun to hear from, and he gets so excited. But he's Argentinian. He's, is that how you say it? He's from Argentina. And so this is very personal for him, this victory. And, you know, I think that, uh, I think that you're going to find listening to this, I'm just having a, a fun with it. So here it is. Here it is. This is... Um, <clears throat> Uh, the announcer. Va Montiel! Montiel go! I just get emotional listening to that. You can tell, you can hear him crying, you can hear the the celebration. I think it's great. I think it's a great part of of sports. You know, in the Bible, there's a lot of sports references, and there's a lot actually about competition in there. And there's unhealthy competition, right, where people might be tempted to cheat, where people might be tempted to play dirty. But then there's competition that is according to the rules. Second Timothy 2.5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Rules matter, okay, and being in that. But you have so many things in here. First Corinthians 9.24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. There is something about competition that can be very, very healthy. 
and you have to do it in humility. It's why we teach our kids to be good sports, right? That's a big thing for my kids when they're in baseball or they're playing baseball. James likes to play basketball. That's his sport. John's baseball player. And there's a lot of competition. And those sports, if you get competitive with it, you know, there's there's tears sometimes and there's joy sometimes. But you have to do it You when you lose, you have to teach your kids to lose in the right way, in a humble way, right? Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You might think that that's something that's against being competitive, but it's not. It is about how to be competitive in a way. You don't do it from being proud. That part of being competitive is that when you win, you're a gracious winner. And when you lose, you're not a sore loser. And you congratulate others when they are successful in areas even where you are not. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Sandy in Fullerton, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Sandy. Uh, Go ahead. Hi. Um, I've called before. I'm a widow four and a half years. That's the hardest thing ever, harder than losing a parent. But Mm. God has, my kids don't believe yet, but I've done so well. And God gave me this word, joy, and I, a year and a half ago, and I thought of it and I'm like, yeah, he knew I was joyful and I really am joyful. I really... It's all God, though, and it's just amazing that I'm doing so well. It still gets sad sometimes, but I have—I call it big joy. I have big joy, and I'm very grateful and thankful and blessed, and it's all to God. I think that's so. great, uh, Sandy. It's been four and a half years now that you've been a widow. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And you're still praying yep. for your kids. Well, we want to keep praying for them. Don't uh, give up. Yeah. Don't give up on them. Yep. Right. And, you know, right. C.S. Lewis is often quoted. He's the one who said this, that joy is independent of our circumstances. Yes. And that's what joy is. And that you know, we all go through different things up and down, but the joy that we have is independent of that. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. It is so wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. For, <laughs> thanks for calling. I hope you have a Merry Christmas, uh, Sandy. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Number is 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. Scripture is full of this conversation about joy. Romans fifteen thirteen. may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, that's where the joy is, that you get to abound in hope and that you don't have to figure this out. This is something I think it's really important, too, for us as believers, is that we don't have to sit around and sort of conjure up joy on our own. It's you got to pay attention here. It's may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It's God who's going to fill you in, with hope. How's he going to do that? He's going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's something that's so critical, I think, about joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does this, that you have supernatural help. If you need joy in your life, ask God for it. Ask God to help you. Give it to you. That's something that the Holy Spirit wants to do already, is help you have the joy in your life. It's supernatural, and it's something to trust God for. It's such a huge thing. 888 528 
Uh, Ted, City of Angels. How are you doing today, Ted? Good. How about you, sir? I'm doing great. I just wanted to share, you know, Magic Johnson was my guy because he was a facilitator and uh, he had a rough going, but he's been forgiven and came back to his wife, Cookie. And I wrote a poem for him. And I told his trainer at Gold's Gym, and he loved it so much, he begged me to recite it to him. So I asked him when he came to work out. I did talk to him in the past, so we were friends. And uh, so uh, he worked out in the morning. And uh, so when I was coming in the parking lot, he was coming out. No one was there, just me and him. It was divine, in my in my opinion. So at any rate, uh, so I, I told Magic, I go, can I recite this poem to you? And he said, absolutely. So it went... Uh, the magic man, he would use either hand from left to right. It was out of sight. When defenders saw him coming, the crowd would be humming for his no-look pass as he stepped on the gas, would leave you standing with no soft landing. As they flew through the air in much despair, yelling, this is just not fair, as Irving's face showed no disgrace in any show place. So bless us all, because big man tall Mr. Johnson always gave it all and still had time at six foot nine to let us all shine. So equal rights, I say, because Magic Johnson proved that in his own way through his NBA play and in business today. You know, I love Magic. So you got to read that to him, actually. Oh, I recited it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's really awesome. You know, uh, speaking of speaking of sports, Ted, uh, those days when Magic Johnson and the Lakers and those championship games that they'd play against the Celtics in particular, that's Mm -hmm. amazing competition in sport. I, I think it's the best ever. Uh, in basketball. Oh. Yeah, he got everybody involved, and I, I just love him for that. And he's a Christian. Well, he's, you know, and we're I, glad, I love him. We're he's glad that he's still active in our town and in the community. All right, Ted, thank you very much. i got to take a break. Thank you, sir. Thank you for sharing that today. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about joy and uh, joy of the world. you got a, uh, a story about competition or joy, something that has just brought you tremendous joy in your life. 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. came without ribbon. came without tags. came without packages, boxes, or bags. That is The Grinch, of course, and uh, you just heard Joy to the World, my favorite song. The Grinch discovers that things like joy are not attached to something that you're given. It's something that's so beyond that. Welcome back to Southern California Live. you got a story about joy, 888-528-2557 is the number. I mentioned Joy to the World, my favorite Christmas song. Do you ever get into the the lyrics of a song, why they're written, things like that? I find that to be uh, interesting because sometimes we just sing it. And we, we sing the words and we get so used to it and it's part of the season and, and we want to sing those songs and we hope they pick the song that we like on Christmas Eve and we get disappointed when they don't. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare in room and heaven and nature sing. You know what occurred to me a while ago is that it's, a, it's an interesting thing. This occurred to me because of the COVID, actually. I've, I mean, I've sung this song forever. You have too, right? Let heaven and nature sing. I got so moved by this during uh, the COVID shutdowns, last, uh, particularly in 2020, because the particular evil that we were dealing with that year and still dealing with to a certain extent is part of nature, right? Something that is this virus that has made so many people sick and people have died and has caused so much disagreement, so many different things that are here, right? 
and yet we're called to sing Joy to the World, Let Heaven and Nature Sing. It's such an interesting lyric. And then the next one is Joy to the Earth, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. You know what you have there? You got more nature. You got more nature repeating joy to the earth. The hymn writer was Isaac Watts in 1719, a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I think that there is something about letting earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and angels sing. You know, we sing this song. Here's what I think is interesting about this song, really. You ready for this? I don't want to ruin the song for you, but here you go. At Christmas, we sing because we're celebrating the incarnation of Christ and Jesus coming as baby Jesus and the Christmas story. And it's such a great thing. And the coming of Jesus in Bethlehem and the shepherds and the songs. But actually, the song was not written as a Christmas song. It's okay to sing it as a Christmas song. It's it's right and it's triumphant. But actually, the song was written about the second coming of Christ, the coming of Christ that is yet to come. Did you know that? That actually, when you put it in, a, that that's what this song is written from. It comes from Psalm 98. Psalm 98 goes this way. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. That's what that's what that song where that song comes from. It's it's an interesting thing because the song is basically joy to the world because here comes the judge. Like joy to the world. Jesus is coming as king. He's not coming to die this time, but he's coming to reign. And he's coming to judge. I mean that's not something that we we always think about with this song, right? But this is that's actually where this song comes from. And there's joy to the world at the end because all the the misery and the frustration and the sickness and the disease and the hate and the sin that is so corrupting the whole world, Jesus comes to restore it all. And that's why there's joy to the world because this is where history is headed. And, uh, you know, something that happens in church, I don't know if this happens in your church, but in a lot of churches... You know, these songs, sometimes these songs are many verses. You know, maybe you have an old hymn book that publishes three or four of the verses of a song. Sometimes those songs have 11 or 12 verses. And uh, sometimes there's just three or four. But so often a song will have, an older song, especially an old hymn, will have maybe three or four verses. And so often if there's four, what do you do? You skip the third one. I don't know why we do that. We always did that. You know, I remember... Growing up as a kid, you know, we'd, we'd sing the second verse and then it'd be like, all right, on to the fourth verse. And I guess that's because it's time for lunch, right? I mean, isn't it like, how long does it take to sing that other verse? You know, I don't know, 45 seconds, but we're not going to do it because it's time to get out of here. The pastor probably preached too long. And that's just, you know, it's an interesting thing that I think churches do sometimes, but you got to go in and look at it because sometimes the the songs are meant to really have all the verses. Otherwise you're missing the point. 
And verse 3 of Joy to the World is gets skipped all the time. It gets skipped with famous versions of the song. It gets skipped at church. It gets skipped in the Christmas program. You're probably don't don't go criticize your music guy or the pastor on Sunday night if they you know on Sunday if you go to church or Christmas Eve service if they skip it. All right, it's kind of traditional now to skip verse three, but this is what it says. All right, it says, "No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found." And that's that's the third verse, and I think we skip it because it's convenient you know, uh, sometimes, but there's so much there. The reversal of the curse is promised in the coming of the Messiah and in the fulfillment of his atoning work. This is something that is so important for believers to understand, that the third verse that is a part of this is that the promise of Jesus coming back is that there'll be new creation. It's not exactly right to say you're going to spend eternity in heaven, because actually what the Bible says is that you're going to spend eternity, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, you're going to live there. And people might argue about, is that this earth restored and it's new or is it a brand new place? I don't know, but don't worry about that. What's mostly important is that the creation is going to be restored, however God decides to do that. And that we live as Christians in light of that promise. Part of the joy in Jesus coming is that in Christmas time is that he's opened that door to this, that now we have this new promise, even as we look back to Bethlehem and we celebrate Christmas. The reference in the song is to the curse. Christ's victory over sin is declared to extend far as the curse is found. What curse? And how far does it extend? Where is it found? The curse is in Genesis chapter 3, and the word curse is the last word of the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes, he dies and defeats death, and then when he comes again, there will be what? What does Revelation tell us? There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more curse. I think for artistic reasons or different reasons, you know, we dropped that verse out, like I said. But it matters a lot, doesn't it? It's a shame that we do that sometimes. But often in doing so, you lose that important part of the song. And maybe it's because today it's hard to talk about the curse. Maybe that seems archaic. Maybe that seems like such a weird, you know, idea. Or it's Christmas time. You don't really want to talk about the curse. But that's actually what Christmas is about. In Christ, heaven and nature sing. Enjoy to the world, let heaven and nature sing, let heaven and nature sing. That's such a big part of it. The curse is gone. And yeah, love and truth and grace, they reign in his kingdom. And that's what that song's about. Verse four, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The nations today are doing a lousy job, but they're proving something. They're proving the glories of the righteousness of Christ. They're proving, and all the nations doing a lousy job, and all the different things that are pretty terrible (laughs) that the nations are really doing today, Um, the glories of the plan of, of God to wipe it out, to wipe out all the problems. The perfect plan of Jesus is not to just wipe out one virus, but all of them. They'll all be gone, not just to remove one evil or some injustices here and there, but all of it. And how far is he going to remove it? Far as the curse is found. That's why we have this great message of joy to the world, because the Lord has come. Because he's come into this world, because he's given us salvation. And that's the message that we're supposed to take. Not just in word, but in actions and our attitude to the world. And where do we take it? Well, we go as far as the curse is found. Who are the sickest among us? 
we take him the gospel. Who are the loneliest among us? We take him the gospel and the presence of Christ. The widows and orphans, see, that's the job of all of us. Can I ask you this? Who do you know who needs you to reach out to them this Christmas time? There's somebody that you know. The church should reach out to them. You're the church. You can do it. Can I challenge you? I've said this before, but put it on your social media. Put something out there that says, hey, do you have no plans for Christmas? Your neighbors aren't going to tell you that they don't have any plans. They're embarrassed. But if you invite them over, they might just come. And that might just be across the street, not very far at all. And in doing that, you're taking this great message of the presence of God to them. You take the gospel, the message of truth and grace, and the wonders of his love to the whole world. That's joy of the world. That's why I think this is one of the greatest Christmas songs there is, because it it's a Christmas song. We sing it at Christmas, but really it's about the second coming. Really, it's about the whole plan of God, because the joy to the world, the joy that we have, when we have joy in our life, it's ultimately knowing that God has worked everything out. It's ultimately knowing that as bad as things might be today, that our best days are ahead of us. For the believer in Jesus, I promise you, your best days are ahead because you know Jesus if you've received him. That's a wonderful thing about joy to the world. Do you have joy in your life? If you had a moment of joy, you can join our conversation and give us a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I got to take a break. We'll continue that discussion when we come back. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Froh, your host. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Ma Montiel! Montiel! That was Andres Cantor calling the uh, World Cup win for Argentina. I just wanted to play that one more time. We played that at the top of the hour. I just love the joy, the joy that he exudes from this. It's such a, um, it's, it's just so real. And I'm wondering if you've had joy in your life that way that you have felt. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. And joy is such a great theme of Christmas time. Ultimately, we have it in Christ, right? But there are different things that we have in our life where I think we have great joy. Maybe you've had great joy because your cancer is in remission. Or maybe you have great joy because of the birth of a child or a grandchild. You know, sometimes you find out uh, you're going to be a grandparent, and uh, I have not had that joy yet, but uh, I hope to one day. And uh, I've told my kids, like, you know, you guys, after you get married, you know, get married young and get busy. I want to be a grandparent. And that's not really good advice, but, uh, you know, um, there's all kinds of joy that we have. I remember being, you know, when I became a parent, James, we were, uh, we, I was going to say we, Christy was in labor for 24 hours. It was rough. And eventually a doctor came in and said, there's some complications. 
and uh, there's about a uh, 75% chance that the child will have brain damage unless we do an emergency C-section. He says, I'll give you two minutes to decide. And then he left the room. And we prayed, and uh, he came back in, and we said, uh, we'll do the cesarean. And so we did that. And it was such a long night, really, such a long period of time. And and by the time, gosh, I think they came in, got her at 5 in the morning, and at 5.07, I think James was born. That's how fast they uh, they took care of that. And I remember uh, we finally got back to the, the room. It was a while, and uh, it might have been three hours before we could get back to the room. And then I was hungry, as I get. And uh, I went down to the uh, hospital cafeteria. Uh, hospitals always uh, sell very high cholesterol foods in the cafeteria. Have you noticed that? There's always a hamburger grill you know, eggs and cheese, and it was fantastic. I think they do that just to make sure they have future business. Anyway, not really, not really. It's just, a, it's, you know, comfort food, and that's probably wise. And I remember sitting there in the cafeteria after my son James was born, and I had this egg and potato and cheese burrito that they'd made at the grill in the hospital cafeteria. And I'd been up for, I don't know how long, 36 hours or something, exhausted, and crying openly, so excited about the birth of my son, right in the middle of that cafeteria. And, you know, I was only down there a few minutes to eat and then bring Christy something to, to eat. But that's a moment, and you'll never forget that. There's, there's true joy when there's new life. Right? That is something that you, you never get over that. You can't explain that, uh, that feeling, but it's a wonderful thing. I really believe that's what happens in heaven when you have somebody come to Christ. When somebody gets saved, you have this true joy, this joy of new life, somebody who was dead to sin, who now has life. And that is so much of what Christmas is about. And it's everything that Christmas is about, really. Hopefully you're going to have a joyful Christmas. Hopefully you're going to have, you know, um, people come over and have a good time with them and you won't mess up the mashed potatoes and the ham will come out okay or the turkey or whatever you're doing. Hopefully the presents will be well received if there are any and uh, the football will be played and, and won by the team you're rooting for. All of those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that you've got Christ. If there are people with you who don't have Christ, people that are on your mind who don't have the Lord, then make it a day where you you pray for them. And if they're with you, that you love them. And that you recognize that, you know, it's not really, it's not up to you. Your job is to pour out what you got and to love them in the name of Christ. And just do that. And if they can't be with you or they won't be with you, whatever it might be, you know, have joy in knowing that you're not in this alone. Have joy in knowing that that God actually does this work for you. This is such a important part, I think, about Christmas. It's so relational. So this has been on my mind, you know, this week for, for so many of us. This is, you know, the school is out. You've got your kids home, your grandkids, you're making travel plans. And that's great if you're doing that. Some of you don't. Some, some of us do not have travel plans. We don't have anybody coming to visit. And Christmas can be a weird, a weird day, too, because sometimes, uh, you know, some of you, you don't really have any plans. You're going to get up. And you're going to have breakfast, say Merry Christmas to your spouse, your, and uh, that's it. <laughs> and then you go, it's almost a regular day, except it won't feel that way. You know, whatever the case is, 
enjoy the day in Christ, because that's really what the day is about. Emmanuel, Christ with us. That matters. That's the name of Jesus. That's what it's about. Romans 2, or 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. If this is a hard day for you, spend that time that way. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's joy. There's so much in joy. James 1, 2, maybe one of the most confusing verses about joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Are you going through a rough time? You know, you probably don't say, yay, I'm going to have a personal crisis. You know, that's not our response to it. We're not going to be happy, but there's a difference between happiness and joy. You might be sad about some things and be going through some things that actually are making you sad. But when your joy is with the Lord, you can get through it. Something that happens when you get older, if you're younger and you're listening and you're, you're realizing that there's going to be hard times in your life. When you're younger, you know, people always say that. They say, well, there's going to be hard times in your life. And those people are right. They're 100% right. You're going to go through hard times and you don't know what that's like until you go through it. One person I like to read, uh, John Maxwell. You ever know uh, John Maxwell, leadership teacher? He writes about crucibles and how people at some point in their life, they'll go through a crucible, just an incredibly difficult challenge. And it's different for different people. There's different reasons you go through it, but you go through things called a crucible. And what he writes about is how painful those things are. But on the other side, if you stay faithful to the Lord, and if you do the things that you you need to do, you won't be perfect. You won't do everything 100% the way you should do it. But you find out on the other side that actually you've grown some. You find out on the other side that you've grown closer to the Lord. You might find success in what you were going through. You might have failure. But either way, you learn something. You learn that life continues. And you learn that God still goes with you. And part of the joy when you face a tribulation or something difficult is that you can look to the future and you can say, you know what, um, I can be strengthened through, I can get through this because I'm strengthened by Christ. And that this might be a hard period of my life. But when I get to the end of it, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be stronger in the Lord, that there is something that I'm going to have that I can teach that younger person when they finally go through their crucible. I can tell you at my age, I've been through a crucible once or twice. I've been through some hard things, and there's some hard things I have yet to go through personally that I will one day. But I can tell you the hardest things that I've gone through, I now look back and I go, that was an amazing time in my life. It didn't seem so seem like it at the time. It seemed horrible. And I would ask God to remove it, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Let me encourage you to do that. Be patient in tribulation, whatever you're going through, and be constant in prayer. This is a season where there are so many different kinds of emotions up and down, and you've got so much busyness going on, so many different things. Take time out to pray. Time out to ask, what's God doing in my life right now? And if you're going through a crucible, Keep going and focus on Christ. Make him the center of your life. I think God uses that time in our life, that crucible to do that. And you come out on the other side so much stronger. You might be a better leader. You might be a better parent. You might be a better kid. You might be a better employee. You might be a better boss. But whatever it is, you're going to be closer to the Lord if you trust in him. And if you are, that's great. That's what you should be. And maybe as you're thinking about the new year and 
you know, people always make these New Year's resolutions. Make the resolution now. Give yourself a, a, a two-week head start. Make the resolution now and, uh, and just start. And see what the Lord is calling you to do to get through these different things. And I think it'll bring joy to your heart. It really is something that is, is great. John 16, 24, Jesus says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Asking in the name of Jesus means that you're asking Jesus to be a part of the decision, part of the thing that you're asking for. When you, It's not a magic word. It's not something you just say, oh, because I said in Jesus' name, he's going to give me whatever I ask. No, in the name of Jesus means that it's in within the will of Jesus, that you're asking in the name of Christ that this is something that will be good for the kingdom of God, good for you in the kingdom of God, that it is a part of God's will. And when you do that, your heart gets closer to the Lord, and whatever you're going through, you ask and you will receive, and your joy may be full. When you're asking things according to what Jesus would have done, you'll find out that the Lord does amazing things. Ask him to help you through that crisis and to give you a joyful heart all the way through it. All right, friends, we've talked about a lot of things today. If you ever miss an hour of the show, you can get our podcast. You can go to our radio station website, get the podcast there. You can also go to Spotify and just look up Southern California Live with Scott Furrow. You can find the podcast there and uh, post it online, share with your friends, and let other people know about our program. That's on every single day from 3 to 5 right here on this station and on your favorite radio app everywhere in the world. I hope that you have a wonderful Monday. I will see you again on Tuesday. Good night. God bless.